If you're enjoying Matt's Crummy Comics Collection and you don't already know, there's an additional episode every month exclusively released on our Patreon page. And this month on that episode, you can hear me have what could probably best be described as a nervous breakdown over a comic sequel to one of my all-time favorite TV shows. Along with that, you can access all our exclusive content, including our special episode where we explain the night we cheated death at a local karaoke place and our infamous Star Wars and character theme match game episode. To learn more, check out patreon.com slash newsaz. Welcome to Matt's Crummy Comics Collection. I am Matt, and this is the general release episode for March 2018. If you're new to the show, I have a rather extensive collection of the unusual oddball, I gotta find some more adjectives, out of the norm comics. And so when I say it's Matt's Crummy Comics Collection, I don't mean they're all necessarily crummy comics themselves. The collection as a whole is pretty crummy. You take this to uh, any kid that's getting into comics and he's going to page through and wonder where anything that he ever heard of is and we'll probably call the collection Crummy, hence the name. The issues themselves, maybe not crummy. That's what we actually try to find out in this episode. And in this episode, from that crummy collection of comics, I have pulled Astronauts in Trouble number one. Now this comic is interesting, at least from where my history of it starts. And by that, I mean, I got this comic somewhere around the summer 2015, because that's when it was released. And I remember getting it off the shelf new, like seeing it on the rack and buying it right then and there based on the fact that it had the word astronauts in it pretty much. When I bought it, I had no idea that what I was buying was a serialized reprint of a 15-year-old story. This is the first title in a 11-issue long re-release of this story, the one solid story, or I guess one single story, better way to say it, Astronauts in Trouble. This is the re-serialized reissuing by Image Comics. Didn't know that going into this and did not know that this story had existed for, well, literally 15 years. The story was originally published in 1999, so I guess technically it's a 16-year-old story, 1516. It's still much older than I thought it was. I thought it was days old when I bought it off the shelf, and it was originally published by a company that was its namesake, I guess. I'm not quite sure how to say this. Maybe the explanation will make more sense. The, the publisher is AIT slash Planet Lar, and the AIT is the initials of Astronauts in Trouble. I am guessing, I don't entirely know, I'm guessing that this was the first uh, story published under that publishing company because the company was founded in 1999 in San Francisco, California, and this original story was also published in 1999. Not a whole lot to find out about this publisher as far as their history, but their titles, the list of titles that they had is actually pretty extensive for a company I've never heard of. And I'm just looking right now on their Wikipedia page, and it would be kind of um, a little bit of a, a, a not, not, not a waste of time. It would take some time to read this all off, so I don't want to take up all that time, but I'm going to read you some of the titles that are standing out to me. Of course, Astronauts in Trouble, uh, there's something called Black Diamond, Blackheart Billy, 
that's these are ones that sound interesting i obviously have no idea what these are uh something called doll and creature which immediately makes me think of creature in the black lagoon because <laughs> as a little side note i am actually making a beer called black lagoon and i'm the label is based after the picture of the creature holding the woman from the movie so that was quite a bit of a, a off the beaten path tangent there but i'll keep going here other titles from ait planet large giant robot warriors uh, Planet of the Capes. That's that has to be some kind of parody, I think, or at least a title parody. And I'm wondering if it's like uh, Planet of the Apes mashup with a planet full of superheroes. No idea. Maybe I'll have a chance to find out I, uh, if I continue this series. But right off the top of my head, no idea what that means. Something called Sky Ape, White Death. There's a, a whole that this is just under their action adventure. Uh, listings. You also have an All Ages, which has things like Electric Girl, Ursula. Then there's the historical fiction, and they have a couple things there. Holmes, which I'm going to guess is a uh, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes uh, title. There's uh, other titles under here under Epics called Foot Soldiers. Again, Planet of the Capes. Maybe that's the same thing, just reclassified. But I mean, the list just I have given you maybe a dozen, and there's far more than a dozen titles under this company I never heard of, which was an interesting fact to find in researching this particular type, the history of this title that I had no idea existed even until I finally cracked this open in 2018. So I even bring this up in the first place, one for history and two, not because I'm pointing out that I feel duped or stupid that I bought a reprint. That's not the case at all. Really my point personally of bringing this up is that I am trying to figure out how I missed the first run of this considering the subject matter, because this is obviously right up my alley. If by some strange reason you're a listener to just this series and not already a regular listener to Neo's as there have been quite a few NASA slash space exploration slash SpaceX slash ULA, anything to do with rockets going up into the air and exploring space specials that I have personally done on Neo's as I have a huge interest in not only current space exploration, but the entire history of space exploration. So again, how I miss this, even though it's a fictional story, how I miss this is a little bit of a head scratcher for me. So if all this wasn't enough, just the subject matter, when I point this out, if you're looking at the cover image of this episode, which has the cover of this comic obviously when i point this out you're going to see it exactly right, right you're going to see exactly what i'm saying right away if you are familiar with the second subject matter i'm about to bring up the cover it should have stood out to me right away but it didn't until i again cracked it open for this episode read the credits and then went holy crap how did i not know that the cover and I, I, let me correct myself not just the cover the artwork from cover to cover and everything inside is drawn by Charlie Adler. Probably, if not entirely, most famous for drawing the Walking Dead comic series, which is something I have read the hell out of, yet I look at the image without that knowledge, see a really cool cover, read it, open it up, see the name, and go, oh my god, how did I not notice his style on this cover? There is just a litany of misses in this issue for me, and it's... I am really disappointed in myself for in many reasons, but nonetheless, I have it. I read it. And now I'm able to do this episode on it. Thanks to this series. So 
let's go back to why I did buy it without any of this prior knowledge, because apart from it just being, you know, the, the subject matter, mad, matter, what was there about it that made me buy this? Well, I guess really when you think about it or when I describe it, that's kind of really <laughs> the catalyst of why I did buy this. I know I kind of preface saying that isn't the reason. Here's the reason. I went back and said, here's the reason. And that's the way it goes in this show. So <laughs> as I'm perusing the comic shop, not knowing any of the history, I see this particular cover, which I'm going to describe, and I do encourage you to, of course, check out the imagery as well. Helps with the storytelling. Astronauts in Trouble, a space background. It's it's blue, not black, which is always a uh, – it's actually a fairly common artistic uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Choice when doing night skies is doing dark blues, uh, at least in my experience, rather than just stark black. And it's it, it's nice. It pops – the stars aren't quite white. They're light blue. They're actually more of a cyan color, which thanks to color inkjet printers over the past two decades, everyone, I think, finally knows what cyan is. I didn't. I learned it from inkjet printers. Just want to point that out. The thing that really caught my eye, first and foremost, was that the logo, I guess you call it the title, is on top of the logo. Astronauts in Trouble. Nice, dark, or not dark, but a bold letters. They're a little uh, stretched out, so a little wide. Astronauts on top and trouble on the bottom, but behind it is the NASA swoosh with the orbit around it. They don't use the NASA font, the letters for NASA, but the the uh, image behind it, the kind of red arrow swoosh swoop, whatever you want to call it, and then the blue orbit is directly lifted from the NASA logo. That is an easy sell for me when you put something like that on your main title of the cover of your comic below that is a big actually beautifully illustrated picture of the moon with what again by judging by the cover you would guess is going to be the three main characters one kind of a hmm, approaching middle-aged man with a flight jacket probably the time and possibly given the time period a war-hardened uh, test pilot uh, probably the most experienced of the group, possibly, again, judging by this this picture. On the other side, on the right side, is an African-American gentleman, uh, kind of a little, what do I want to say, looks a little less fit, maybe a little older. Uh, possibly, the, the I think by the, the way he's dressed, he's kind of the, um, the, the quirky scientist where he's, he's not you know, buttoned down and, and quite the, not like the professor Frank type of nerd. He's like the disheveled completely off the, off, off the norm scientist, but yet brilliant. So he gets to do his own thing. I'm serious. That is really what this image is telling me when I look at it. And then in the middle is a fiery redheaded young female pilot with, I think, it's hard to tell if it's, head, uh, with the drawing, if it's headphones or goggles hanging around her neck. And, oh, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of really looking close. And her goggles, I'm almost positive because of the reflection is drawn on them. So I was thinking headphones, but actually, the, if they were headphones, they're way too small for their period. So the, uh, or the, the period this is set in. But she also has kind of a leather. It, this is more of a flight jacket than that first, uh, what I think is the astronaut, because it has like that white fur line around the collar going into the front of the jacket. And she is all smiles. She is the one that is probably going to be the rule breaker and get most of these astronauts in trouble. As the title says, and then below that is a couple panels from inside there. It's almost like a computer display screen. There's, let's see, I can actually count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine separate little panels. Like you're looking at a control panel and they're like the rounded edges, like really small CRT screens back in the 
70, oh, that's even earlier, isn't it? 60s when Apollo launched, and possibly if this takes place in the 50s, which I don't think it does, I'll have to refer back to my notes when I get to it, but late 60s, mid 60s, late 60s, early 70s, regardless, in the time frame, screens would be small and have those round curves on the end. So uh, apart from that, I mean, that's a pretty, uh, I, I described the cover way more than the thoughts that were going through my head when I bought this. I saw space, I saw the NASA logo, and I grabbed it. I also grabbed it, it's worth mentioning, and why I can't quite pin down exactly the month I bought this. It was on the shelf, but it was also on the shelf with issue two as well, which I also picked up at the time. I have more now, we'll get to that in the kind of wrap up of this but at the time i bought issue one and two at the same time again not knowing i only had two elevenths of a complete story in my hands because i really had no idea so walked away paid for them assumed this is going to be something i like now it's time to find out if that was true so let's get into the comic itself here so we are looking at the first page and this is almost worthy of as lengthy of a description as the cover was because this is i think actually the coolest little detail well, it's not little it's it's quite a big detail it says astronauts in trouble issue one flight plan and the page the credits page is laid out like a flight plan there's a a stamp of the logo, not a stamp, it's actually like a sticker. Maybe it's supposed to be the mission patch. I don't see any threads, so I'm going to call it a sticker. A sticker of what uh, would be mission patch. It also says astronauts in trouble around the gray rim, but it's the Apollo logo. If you don't know the Apollo logo, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's an A, but it looks like a, um, I think a delta, a, a Greek letter delta, because there's no cross uh, uh, like on the letter itself, a cross on the A, so it's an upside down V for a better way to describe it. And on one side of the logo is the moon. On the other side of the logo is the earth. And there's an orbit path or a launch path, I should say, that kind of goes, launches from the earth uh, at Florida. Actually, it's, it's, it's uh, site accurate behind the earth across the upside down V. And that's where you get your cross for your A. Then over to around the dark side of the moon and back to uh, the light side of the moon where they landed uh, the well, the majority of the Apollo missions were on that side of the moon. Um, after that, that is actually sticking. Oh, that sticker is is labeled over a uh, like a warning message. It says I, it, it's covered, but I'm sure it says do not distribute. This is copy something. It begins with a B and then all launches underneath that. So really cool little detail. Again, it's like it's like typed and it's on aged paper. Like this paper was pulled out of a file like 15, 20 years later. After this flight went on, really cool details uh, for just, just something as simple as a credit. Well, I mean, yeah, as simple as a credit page. It's, it's a listing of names, but it's not just a listing of names in this case. It sets the mood, in, in my opinion. So um, don't want to go too much more into that. Let's get into what the credits are. And we have Larry Young, writer, Charlie Adler, as I said earlier, as artist, Kevin Tanowitz lettering and Richard Starkling, it says flight director. This is the interesting one. That is his his name, or Starklings. I think I forgot the S. Richard Starklings is flight director. I am going to take a guess and say that that is the credit for editor, because that seems about the only thing that should be on here that's not mentioned specifically. But still, neat little page. One of my uh, favorite parts just getting into the comic one of my favorite start store comic that's a better way to say it 
So into the story. So let's get started here. The story starts with a Channel 7 news truck that is racing down the city streets to check out reports on a homicide. After some witty banter back and forth on news reporters and a driver, which is actually a bad start dialogue-wise, but it gets better really quick, we get the issue name, which is Murders and Acquisitions. Now, that's interesting because without having the original printing of this, I don't know if it's divided into chapters in one long story and that's a carryover or if this particular title and kind of the page too is made specifically for this reissuing. The art is right on and it, that's not the, I won't even say a problem. That's not really the question. The art is definitely dead on and this looks like it could have been a page with or without it because the, the it's a full shot page of the uh, the victim, I guess you'd say, the murdered victim, police, photographer, and it's it's just a shot of the doorway of all the, and a detective, presumably, all in this doorway looking at the crime scene. And then at the top right, it says murders and acquisitions in a black box, which could have been put there on top of an, of an image that already existed, or this entire image could have been drawn and put in here very easily as well. I don't know. I... I'm kind of, and, and I don't have this in my notes, but I'm kind of curious, depending on what kind of price point I can find it, I'm kind of curious of finding the original printing and see what's different. If anything, it may not be just to kind of get that answer, but I don't have that answer and let's move on. So the, the crew arrives, the news crew are just talking about, they arrive on the scene. We learn that the Channel 7 news team, the, two, the men themselves is Kit Draper, the reporter, and the cameraman's name is Chet. Kit is interviewing a police officer that fired the gun and actually committed the homicide. So we find out it's a uh, police shooting. The officer explains that they were patrolling the warehouse and that they came across an open window and they had followed in to investigate. So the officer continues to tell a story explaining how he's a little bit jumpy and he had come around the corner and there was the janitor that was also in the vicinity of the open window to check out what the noise was. And that's when the officer accidentally fired on this warehouse janitor and killed him dead. So that's where we find out that the victim is actually the janitor of the warehouse. Now, dubious to this entire story, Kit asked, is that what really happened? Now, at this point, we kind of see a replay of the actual events, and it's uh, it's completely different. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say completely. It's significantly different than what the officer just explained. It was the officer that actually broke into the warehouse, and he was seeking out the janitor. When he came across him, that find, we find out that j the janitor isn't just like Joe Schmo janitor, you know, off the street. Airman Carter is what he refers to him as. So Airman Carter, I believe that might be Air Force or possibly Navy. Something to do with, I, I'm guessing, piloting, obviously, because of the subject matter. And when he responds as an, uh, what's a, a confirmation of him, of the janitor being Airman Carter, Bam, that's when he shot right there on sight by this officer who's now being interviewed claiming it was nerves and jitters and an accident. So from that now, we jump in the story and in the panels, we jump back to the present and we continue with the interview and the policeman angrily reiterates that's what happened, even though, of course, we just saw what the truth actually is. 
So meanwhile, while this interview is wrapping up, Chet, the cameraman, he is walking around the area, or an immediate area of the warehouse, shooting some B footage, and his foot kind of hits something, and he trips with the camera. We, the camera doesn't fall down to the ground, but we see, we get a really interesting panel of the back of Chet's head, where he's looking at something, but we don't see what he's looking at. And followed with a panel of him kind of looking around to see if anyone saw what he saw. And that's where that ends in this particular part of the story. So right then and there, literally the next panel, uh, Kit is done with his interview and it's time for the pair to leave. So now from here, we take quite a bit of an interesting jump in the story. It's, it's 10 days later and we're following Kit and Chet again. Kit and Chet, they're, they're on a plane and the plane is headed for Peru. And once we get that explanation, we take a look down just below the plane and we see a, 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 a rocket vertical on a launch pad below them in, well, not presumably Peru. We we're told it's Peru because they're coming in for a landing in Peru. Now, if that's not odd enough from the ground, the plane is now being fired upon by grenade launchers. So from here, we jump down to the ground. Not We don't jump. We're not jumping out of the airplane, but these story paddles go to the ground. We go to the ground on Peru, and the, the soldier that's firing these grenades, he's told to stand down, pointing out that it's a civilian plane. It's not spies. So the plane finally lands. Chet and Kit, uh, is it disembark? I think that's on a boat. They get off. We'll just say they get off the plane, and they're joined by Winsome Sinclair. This is the fiery redhead pilot that is on the cover. Although, if I hadn't mentioned yet, the comic is in black and white, which, again, kind of harkens back to the art style uh, that I liked in The Walking Dead and did, didn't realize I was getting into that again and really enjoying it. But with the, the facial features, the hair, which she's it's very curly, and she's the only, well, I guess she's the only actually female, female character so far in the story, but she's got the same exact outfit. Even though it's black and white, this is absolutely positively the pilot from the cover. So much to the military men's surprise that not only is a woman involved in this mission, and I'm saying this from the time frame, this is not my opinion by any means whatsoever. We're talking about, again, early, anywhere between the late 50s to the end of the 60s. So she's, are they not only surprised that she's a woman involved in this particular venture uh, mission i don't know they're they're civilians uh, assignment we'll call it assignment that they're also a little surprised that she's a pilot to which she kind of reinforces not only is she a pilot but she's a successful and quite sought after cargo pilot for the entire Americas. so you know kind of take that you old crusty military men that's not written in the comic i made that part up so just to add one more layer of uncomfortableness, is if that's the word, for not only our characters that we're following, but us as the readers, at this point, out comes a gray-haired, glasses-wearing scientist with the whole lab coat and everything, completely outraged that visitors are here. So basically, nobody wants our heroes, would-be heroes, we don't know yet, but the characters that we are following in this story, no one wants them on this island. The crew, meaning Chet, I guess, well, I was going to say the crew, and uh, certainly Chet and Kit. I don't know if Winsome knows this yet, but she's now part of this crew. They admit that they are here to see the rocket, the one that we've now seen in the panel. 
Well, now that they found this location, which I'm assuming at this point is a secret location, the colonel, the one in charge of this base, he has now sequestered them to this base until further notice. They're here. They've seen stuff. They ain't going anywhere. And to hammer that point home, the entire crew is held at gunpoint as they're discussing their current predicament amongst themselves. As they are talking, again, surrounded by loaded guns, well, I'm sure they're military guns, I'm sure they're loaded, there is someone actually listening in the shadows. And it is the, I'm going to say it now with air quotes assigned, the police officer, because surprise, surprise, it's not the police officer that Kit interviewed just 10 days before in that warehouse shooting. He is now in his proper military garb and wondering how on earth this news crew tracked him to this island or no i'm sorry peru to this country sorry about that i did put island in my notes but it is a country peru is a country in case you didn't know that apparently i didn't when i wrote my notes so before we can even explore an answer to that question or anything that's going on there is a huge explosion set off at the base of the rocket and that's where this issue ends under the explosion, it says to be continued, and that's the bottom of the page. So that is the end of the first issue, and if it seemed short story-wise, it really was, because even though this comic is a few more pages long, that's the end of part one of Astronauts in Trouble. Now, there is another six pages to this issue that's worth mentioning. First, it's a full-page ad for issue two. We get to see the cover of issue two which is, again, the same motif, the blue, uh, black, not black, is it night sky? Sorry, the black sky. I did it again. The blue night sky background with the stars. We have the Astronauts in Trouble logo with the NASA motif underneath it, though this is kind of on the lower, probably the bottom third of the page. And now they're in the, the top two-thirds is a, a rocket taking off. And then we have more panels of, um, oh, I, you know, I say they're screen. They have to. Maybe they're photos. These might now. Now that I'm getting a second look at a cover, what I described as screens, like in a control, um, yeah, what do you call it, a control room. I I visited the the Apollo 10 exhibit at Kennedy Space Center a billion times in the firing room. I think is what it's called, and I can't couldn't think of it right then. But uh, I don't think these are. Now I'm looking at this. I don't think they're screens. I think they're old faded black and white photos. Because it kind of look like these are photos taken not. Uh, not pose photos like like spy photos, but I don't know uh, at this point in the story. I don't know. I should say so. That is the first of the six pages. Then the rest is an excerpt from Larry Young's True Facts, which is a book. It's actually, if you read the entire text, the introduction of this, it's a collection of books, which is a really interesting addition to a comic book. It's it's done really interestingly as well. They carry on the the mission profile motif. It's like the full page of this comic is information, details, blocks, maybe even blueprints for something to do with NASA. And then a page of text, like a printed, a typewritten page is laid on top of that. So it's like a photo of a page on top of a blueprint in a comic. But it is all words. It's another five pages of words to read, which again is a very interesting addition or an excerpt in this case in a comic book i'm not going to say that this is the only time i was that this has ever happened i'm going to say this is the only time i recall seeing it i i, I really honestly don't i'm trying to think if there's another one uh like uh, maybe of a 
a movie adaptation that kind of was promoting the novelization of it, but I honestly can't think of an instance where I've seen this before. I'm also confident enough in saying that this has happened somewhere else as well. This isn't the only time this has done that, or any. this is the only comic that has done that. But that is a story of Astronauts in Trouble issue one. Now, I got some closing thoughts, but let me go through this a little bit one at a time. First, my I, I know I, I stopped and mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it again. It is black and white. Uh, which I actually enjoy when it's done well, and this one is done well. I do like the artwork, obviously. I like Charlie Allard's style. I liked it in Walking Dead. This is pre-Walking Dead by, I guess, quite a few years if you take its original release, but it's still it's in the same vein. And in fact, I think he's improved upon it significant. That sounds that that sounds wrong. He's improved on it. You can see, <laughs> I'm just, I'm burying myself. I'm painting myself in a quarter in this. It's definitely his style. Walking Dead is an improvement on it, but it's, it's, they're not so far apart that, that you can't look at this and not appreciate it, their work. It, it's great. It's, it's, it's well done. It's definitely his style. And he's one of the artists I know for a fact that I really enjoy looking at black and white. I mean, we're talking pure black on white. It is black on white. There's not shades of gray. There's not a whole lot, if ever, any gradation. In fact, there's there's not. It's it's all black and white. Really cool. Really, I, I am always impressed by his work and really looking at it now. It's so it's done so well. You don't notice that it's only black and white. That there is no gray gradation. So great. Really enjoy the artwork. Uh, things to point out here that are worth mentioning. The um, I think it really picks up. The, the warehouse, obviously, it's dark. It's a big, empty room, and it's mostly faces. But when they hit the uh, air, when they're in the airplane in the proof, that's when the, their artwork really picks up because he has to express jungle. He has to express technology hidden in the jungle. And again, something very impressively done with just black on white. Now, the story. This is a tough one to judge because... I have to take it when I'm reviewing it issue by issue. I have to take it that this is the first 11th, which is, is a very strange fraction. First 11th of a bigger story that was told all at once. It wasn't meant to have a cliffhanger. They had to find a spot to stop telling this story. And there's a lot of, you need, you need unanswered questions in order to draw people back. But in this case, the biggest unanswered question without even a hint, maybe a hint. I'm going to think about it. Maybe, but I'm going to say, Initially, on my initial reading, without a hint, is why are they in Peru? I guess we get a hint when we see the police officer later that they somehow followed him. Or did they? There's clues. And it's, again, me reading in possibly hindsight that I know the clues. Because I'll tell you now, although it's later in my notes, I have read this whole thing all the way through issue by issue. I've not read it as one uh initial print, which I'm so curious to see if it's any different, particularly on the title pages. So I know the answers to these questions. Are they a little too uh, question? Maybe uh, are they a little too unanswered? Maybe the hints are big enough to go to the second issue. If I didn't already had had the second issue, let's say I did read these when I bought them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. All depends on if you caught this, the hints that are there. I need hints. And when I'm reading, it's like a, a movie, a TV show or whatnot. Visually and that kind of medium, I can pick things up with almost to an annoying point, as my wife will tell you. And I've now been banned from telling her any theories of how a movie or TV show ends, whether I'm right or not, because she's sick of having things being spoiled. I don't spoil everything. I'm not that good. But enough times I've spoiled things for her that I am by under no uncertain circumstances to shut up 
during a movie that has some kind of ending that you don't know prior or can't figure out in the first three minutes. When I'm reading and in comics as well, sometimes I need those clues hit over my head. Now that is me personally, which me I'm not saying by any means artists and writers should draw and write for me because that's actually probably a bad idea. <laughs> but for me, it's like, it's just a little too subtle. The first read through now, the second read through it all makes perfect sense, but at the time I didn't. And I don't know if I went through that whole diatribe to say that's a good or bad thing. I'm just explaining where I'm coming from when I talk about this. But I mean, even without that, it does, it, it, it does what a first issue is supposed to do. It's a good start. I am liking the characters. I don't know a lot about them, but they, I want to learn more about them. There's certainly things I want to learn more in the story. So I think, I guess ultimately this is kind of where I was going with all that. It does what it's supposed to do. It wanted me to get to the next issue. So from my rating, let's finally get to that from Crumbing to classic. It's a just okay bordering on a pretty good. It would be a pretty good if, they had done this in maybe five or six issues because I'm going to go ahead and explain that I have done again. I've already told you this. I have, I've read this entire run through. I don't do that with all the series that I'm covering on this, but when I, this one I did. And with that knowledge, this would have worked really better as maybe a six part series, five or six. And it's 11. They did 11, but I think they could have cut it in a six. And I think it'd be a little longer story, you know, a little more to get into a little more invested in the characters and I think it would have, it would, the second issue is not going to explain the things, everything that's in the first issue, but you can see that there's going to be an explanation here. You're assuming there's an explanation and the second, by the second issue, you know, there's going to be one, even though you don't get it yet. So I think if my, my only, my, my worst criticism of this is that it's too short. It should have been this and the series is too long. should have been a shorter series with longer issues. Now, I'll tell you, if you're at all interested in this story, just by this one issue, the entire series, and again, this isn't something I'm going to do often in the show, this entire series is pretty damn good. That's my rating for the entire series. It's not a classic. I have already identified a classic, which is a pretty high bar, but this is a pretty damn good series. And if you like space exploration, again, it's a fictitious story, but the setting is fun if you know your space even if you're interested in space history you don't know need to know your space history necessarily but it's a pretty damn good story all around but for the issue one it's just okay to almost pretty good and with that we come to the close of another episode and i of course hope you enjoyed it there's still another Matt Scrummy comic collection episode coming out and that is coming out exclusively to patreon of course that is a second episode of this series of the month and it's always exclusive to patreon the second one i should say is and this patreon exclusive episode is going to feature stargate atlantis back to pegasus and i'll give you a spoiler or a little or maybe a preview not a spoiler but i'm going to give you a preview and tell you that this one is a mess this is going to be the hardest one for me to talk about because i loved stargate atlantis i did not love this comic I'm not going to give you a rating or any details. You're going to have to hear me struggle through that one. It's going to be a chore. So that episode will be on Patreon in just a few days. And along with that is also the, I don't even know how many hours of exclusive content for supporters on Patreon. And you can access this, this series exclusive content along with all the other exclusive content on the feed for just a dollar a month of support, the bare minimum. And you get access to 
everything that we've done and everything that we will do as long as you're a supporter of us on Patreon. And to learn more about that, simply check out the details at patreon.com slash neozaz. All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up. Oh, jeez. Um, I almost forgot the, the usual plugs. If you don't already know, uh, this series and all the series we do are, and all the episodes for all the series we do are at neozaz.com. If you're not familiar with neozaz.com, if you're just searching for a very obscure comic series and found this one at neozaz.com if you have any kind of interest in any subject of pop culture chances are we have done at least an episode on it if not an entire series on it so check that out neozaz.com we have our social media pages that accompany all the shows we do the three big ones neozaz podcast on facebook and neozaz on twitter and instagram all right i think i hit all the marks in that so thank you for hanging with me during this episode i again i hope you enjoyed it I will be back again next month with a regular episode and an accompanying Patreon episode exclusive as well. So until then, let me say one more time, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. 